So kia ora. Um, that um, verse you started with, um, life abundantly, I think the Good News translated it as life to the max, which I thought was quite cool. It may be a bit confusing if your name was Max, if you had a brother called Max. Um, there's this... Um, just kind of interested to know, without putting yourself in a risky position, could you swap over, over to the Mac? Um, uh, what are we scared of? What kind of things are we scared of? Spiders? Flying? Flying spiders? <laughs> Heights? What's that? Viruses. Oh, yes, at the moment, coronavirus, you know, COVID-19, that's, that's definitely on our radar, isn't it? What else are we scared of? What was that? Swing bridges. Swing bridges. Linda is not a great fan of swing bridges. It's true. Mountain biking over them, she makes interesting noises. <laughs> not ones of great joy. What else are we scared of? Caterpillar. Really? Understand, I'm not a great fan of wasps. Uh, wasps. Anything else? Shaky ladders. Yes. Oh, people who bully us. Yes, yeah, scared of being abused in some way or another. Absolutely. That's a biggie, isn't it? <laughs> it is fair to say, and I was planning to go here, fear is sometimes a great motivator. <laughs> if we did not have fear as a motivator, none of us would ever have passed any exams. Yep, it's, sometimes it's a motivator for us, but sometimes it's crippling. And oh my goodness, that's interesting, isn't it? I'll, I'll just walk over to this and uh, fear of technology letting me down. Ah, yes. Oh, that looks better, doesn't it? Yes. Um, and we are in uh, election year, and um, one of the things that will happen is fear is a motivator, so political parties will use fear as a way of getting us to do stuff. Um, and it can be quite effective. I, I, it's worth watching for. I, I try not to get caught in it because ultimately it robs us of life. It makes us miserly. It, 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 it's, quite un, it's quite unpleasant. But to be fair, there's a whole bunch of things we're scared of now that we never thought of 10 years ago. 20 years ago, we weren't scared of earthquakes in Christchurch. We had uh, Terrorism was something that happened over there. It didn't happen here. Um, yes, um, COVID-19, we're currently... We can see it, it unfolding, um, and it is likely to hit us. Um, well, uh, people are acting sanely in the mix, and then we have our own personal fears, fear of being bullied, fear of... Um, well, actually, you know, they say the, the biggest personal fear is um, fear of public speaking, which has got something to do with how everybody views you. This has got to do with respect, that you might say something up front and suddenly feel shame in front of everyone, which, which is scary. We've got our personal things. We might run out of money. We might fail publicly. We might. There's the fear of username or password is incorrect. <laughs> and uh, the number three fear, of course, is we have to talk. On the whole, um, immigrants who come to New Zealand say this is an incredibly safe place to live. In fact, they reflect and say this, this is really safe. And, and it's worth us, if in the West, on the whole, if you have money, this is a very comfortable place to live, certainly far more comfortable than the world in which Peter writes his letters to. 
If you remember, last week we talked about Nero and the emperor and um, how Christians had been scapegoated. So in fact, if you were a Christian back in those times, you lived with a high level of fear. That if you're caught out of line, um, things could go very, very badly for you. And we know that Peter himself ends up getting crucified. So one thing you, could, you couldn't say about Peter was that he was a prosperity preacher. He acknowledges suffering. He acknowledges this stuff in his speaking. But this portion that we're going to read in 1 Peter, and there's some notes at the back which aren't directly aligned with the sermon because they're done the week before because I'm trying to do small group material for stuff, is um, Peter wants us to know who we are. Well, no, actually, that's kind of what we think. I don't think it's quite right. Peter does want us to know that we're chosen and shielded with an inheritance that can't be taken away. He wants us to know that we've been given a new birth into a living hope. He wants us to know that all that is true now. But that's all stuff that God does. You don't earn an inheritance. You don't, these, things are, these are things that God does. And so maybe I've said this wrong. I, I think I have. I think what Peter wants us to know is whose we are. More than who we are. And we're, we're so individualistic in our culture that we always think I, 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 but that's actually deliberately whose we are. Because these letters that are written out, um, a good deal of the population wouldn't be literate. Um, they were, um, most of the people who read in those days would read out loud. Okay, that was how people read. So it's a communal thing to get these letters. And unconsciously, we tend to think, it's about who I am because our culture makes us the focus of the attention. We think it's all about us. And so we ask questions. So, are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? Do I believe in God? Um, and that's not actually a question that Peter's trying to answer. I think he's answering another question. Does God believe in us? It's a different question. And... Peter's answer is, in Jesus, God's answer is yes. God believes in us, trusts us. Now, his letters are quite dense. They're full of lots of words and overflowing with concepts, and we could spend ages on it. But we're going to wander through 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through to chapter 2, verse 10. So if you have got a Bible handy or want to bring it up on your smartphone, you could do that. And I reckon he is writing to these people, giving them a sense of how could you live well in a time of uncertainty and fear. And I am going to use a pulpit, even though I don't, I'm not a huge fan of them. So, And I'm going to read to you, we're going to read up here from N.T. Wright's translation of this, which I've done because, again, it's quite dense, it's hard to see, but um, I think the language that N.T. Wright uses is really good here. He starts... So fasten your belts, the belts of your minds. Keep yourselves under control. Set your hope completely on the grace that will be given you when Jesus, the Messiah, is revealed. As children of obedience, don't be squashed into the shape of the passions you used to indulge when you were still in ignorance. So set your hope completely on the grace that will be given you when Jesus the Messiah is revealed. Actually, the book of 1 Peter starts with hope. It talks about being born. The first thing you're asked to do, Peter says, asks us to hope. And this just keeps coming back. And what is he asking us to hope for? He's asking us to hope in the grace that is yet to be revealed. We tend to translate that into what has already happened. 
But whatever your experience of grace and God has been, there is more. That's what we're supposed to hope towards. More grace. Does that sound good to you? It sounds fantastic to me. I like to think of grace as being like a trampoline because you kind of lie back on a trampoline and, and it, you're not doing anything but it holds you. Bounce a little bit and you... I, um, and so if you wanted to think of real grace, maybe you'd think, uh, I haven't been to... What's the place where you jump? Flip out. One of these places that's all trampolines. Wherever you are, you'll get caught. And maybe bounce back up. Set your hope on that. And don't go hoping for an easy life. In this case, he says, don't let yourself be squeezed into the shape of your, the passions that you used to indulge. So keep reminding yourself of the grace that's yet to come and don't just go with the flow. The first thing he's talking about is hope. And that's based on grace. And then Peter starts writing about holiness. Rather, just as the one who called you is holy, so be holy yourselves in every aspect of behavior. It is written, you see, be holy for I am holy. If you call on God as a father, the God that is who judges everyone impartially according to their work, behave with holy fear throughout the time in which you are resident here. Now, what's holy? What does that mean, do you reckon? Set apart. Set apart? Righteous before God? Any other suggestions? Good. Godlike. Pure. When I read this statement, be holy as I am holy, I struggle because I become aware of how impure I am. Okay, that my life is not perfect. That's my struggle. Other people will be different. But actually, godlike is a great, uh, a great response. It is holiness is intimately connected with God, our connection to God. And what we'll see is that when... Um, Peter continues to write, he's going to address a bit of what kind of holiness and, and maybe, maybe help us when we think, oh, I can't get there. But there's another little interesting phrase that happens in here where he talks about to behave with holy fear. And that's kind of just as an aside, in a scary time when there's great risk, Peter kind of says, hey, maybe don't fear the Romans. I want to have a little bit of fear of God. Now, I think of this kind of fear as fear of heights. Um, fear of heights is quite a good thing. You may not think so, but my, um, one of my oldest brothers, uh, all of my family did some climbing, and one of my oldest brothers lost his fear of heights. And so he used to do some really stupid things and had some very nasty falls and regained his fear of heights. <laughs> a good fear of heights is a respect of heights doesn't stop you from doing things, but you're careful. This is the kind of fear of God. So how does, how does Peter write about this? Well, he tells you a bit about that holiness. You know, after all, that you were ransomed from the futile practices inherited from your ancestors, and this ransom came not through perishable things like gold or silver, but through the precious blood of the Messiah, like a lamb without spot or blemish. So where does your holiness come from? It comes because you are ransomed, because of what Christ has done, and that will last. 
He, talking about this Messiah, was destined for this from before the foundation of the world. And, hold on, for the foundation of the world, and appeared at the end of times for your sake, for you, that is, who through him believe in the God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. This is tricky for us. We tend to think of uh, all of our virtues and things as things that we own. But this is, a, this is something that is relational. Holiness is related to your connection with God because God is holy. So you kind of get it by being close to God. I'm not sure if I've got this right. Our holiness, however, is because of Jesus and Jesus' actions. Therefore, it's actually not ultimately about us. It's again about what something, that, something that God has done. And Peter continues, Once your lives have been, uh, been purified by obeying the truth, resulting in a sincere love for all your fellow believers, love one another eagerly from a pure heart. Now just pause there for a moment. So Peter's segwayed into saying, say we should love one another. Have a look around you. These are the people we're supposed to be loving, among others. And then he writes and says, you've been born from a seed, and the seed isn't you, it's the word. Hang on. Sorry. You've been born again, not from a seed which decays, but a seed which does not through the living and abiding word of God. What Peter wants to say here, again, is, listen, there's something in you, he calls it a seed, that's the word of God, that's in you, the word. And you can trust it. So he goes on. I've always read this bit and go, eh, I've read that in Psalms before. Because you see, all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the God, Lord lasts forever. Which says what? It says, this stuff, a whole bunch of stuff, our flesh, that's, it's, it's fine, but it's not going to last. That's clear. Some of us experience that as we're getting older. Yep. And then he says, but the word of the Lord lasts forever, and that is the word that was announced to you. As far as Peter is concerned, you have the word of God in you. It's already in you. That's how he can trust us. That's how God believes in us, because we have something in us. And therefore he carries on and says, so put this stuff away. If you've got this bit in you, this hint, this taste of God, put away the evil, deceitful, hateful malice, all ill-speaking, and long for that word. Long for more of the thing that will last. As newborn babies, long for the spiritual milk, the real stuff not watered down. That's what will make you grow into salvation. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is, and we're back to grace again, that the Lord is gracious. Remembering the hope is found in grace. And then we get into, so come to him, to that living stone, humans rejected him, but God chose him and values him very highly. Like living stones yourself, you are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices that will be well-pleasing to God through Jesus the Messiah. And there's a funny kind of um, play of words going on in this bit because the word for stone, ebed, is apparently very, very similar for the word for sun, bed. And so they think... 
He's actually kind of going, stones, you build a house out of that, but actually sons, that's how, daughters, that's how you build a family. So there's this kind of sense of we're being built into a house of God. And again, the focus isn't me, the focus is us. And Peter obviously expects that we will love one another. How are we getting on with that? Which means that in the end, there's my four or three words, hope, holy and home. God wants to build us into a home. One last part from 1 Peter. So, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession. Your purpose is to announce the virtuous deeds of the ones who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. Once you were no people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Would you read that with me? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession. Your purpose is to announce the virtuous deeds of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. Once you were no people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. That's roughly speaking, I've cut a little bit out in the, in the middle, what Peter has to say to a bunch of people who are giving, getting a hard time, have no say in public affairs or politics, there will be no referendum for them, are people who are living in fear of being bullied and actually at having their lives at risk. So what does that say to us? Well, there's a little bit of not rocket science to this, I think, which hopefully will appear in a moment. Um... Now, is that gonna yeah, yeah. I think that everyone's going to have to wrestle with their, with their darkest, stupidest instincts. Yeah. When, when, when my phone went off with that news alert yesterday, of, of someone that, now there's a case in Manhattan, a woman has got coronavirus and she's self-isolating. There was that initial split second of, where is she? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've never kind of reached for a flaming torch that wasn't there, but... <laughs> Then I shut that down. I shut that down like a human being. But there was that split second of burn her. There's a little bit in us. What I like about this is this is the don't be squeezed into the shape of other things. There is that bit of us which is our darkest, stupidest instinct. That we've just got a ride shotgun on it. And that's the terrible thing about um, social media at the moment, is it's giving people a venue to vent their darkest, stupidest instincts. That's not necessarily our friend. So just when you find yourself doing it, set it aside. This is really what I think Paul's advice is for us who live in the fear of coronavirus, terrorism, climate change, unemployment, sea levels rising, being captured by the Romans. Oh, sorry, that one was back in his day. Um, his advice is this. Hope. Because I'm with him, or her, however you want to... I'm with God. If you can imagine this as being... Um, ever been in, I've never been invited to one of those red carpet events. Imagine your mate's going and he says, you can come with me. So you walk up to the bouncer, and you know that if you're not... The bouncer's going to turn you away, except you can say, I'm with him. Hope is found in I'm with him, I'm with God. Holiness is found in I'm like him. And home is found 
I'm with them. Us together. We, the people who are seeking to be with God. I think that's what he says. I think he says there's hope because you're with God. There's this call to be holy, to be like the God that you want. And lastly, that building a house together, that's an us. That says, actually, I'm with them. It kind of puts cry, there is a temptation always because you get sick of what people do in church and they're not like you. And people, do you know people have got opinions that are quite different to me and they're wrong and they think they're right. And, and I've had enough of that, so I'm going to leave. Um, that happens, but for Peter, there's no choice. I'm with them and we're with God. Church not being a solo exercise. Maybe, maybe this is what it means. Um, have you ever heard preachers or teachers talk about being in Christ? Being in Christ is to know whose you are. There's something in you that is beyond you, your connection with God. Which brings me back to the start, really. Peter thinks that if you're following Jesus, you are born of a seed planted in you that will not die and will bear fruit. If you're seeking to follow Jesus, Peter thinks you have an inheritance, thinks that you, your hope can be found in the grace that you do not yet have, the grace that is to come. And maybe at this stage, all you can find yourself in the position of is uh, maybe... I don't know if I believe, maybe I want to believe, Lord help my unbelief. But I do think the astonishing thing for one Peter here is he writes to these people who are having a tough time and being oppressed and says, actually, God believes in you. So, close your eyes for a moment and think about this last week. What are the things that didn't go so flash? Was there anything in there you think, oh man... I wish I'd done that differently. And then look at yourself and remind yourself that God believes in you. You have a seed in you that will outlast your life. God has confidence in you when you're with him. Now open your eyes and look around at the people next to you. Don't they look good? Yep, they look mildly embarrassed at the stage too because, you know, we've got that slightly English thing. You, um, I did hear someone say, COVID-19, the English are safe. They're not going to hug or look at each other. <laughs> so they'll never catch it. Um, we've got that slightly English thing. Where we're uncomfortable looking at But these other people around you are also people who are in Christ who want to know more of Jesus being built into a holy temple. If I was to summarise it all, I, um, I get, uh, if you've ever had an email from Alan Jameson, uh, after March the 15th, he um, had this line on the back of his emails. It just said, Tamatu, tama ora, tama noho, tama mate, kia kaha e ma. Which means, he translates, he puts the English as well, good man, don't be discouraged, give it heaps, my friends. Don't be discouraged, give it heaps, my friends, because know whose you are. You belong to a God bigger, more powerful, and we collectively are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession. There's a thing about movement there. 
with the purpose to announce the virtuous deeds of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. Now we are God's people. We have received mercy. Apologies for how religious that all sounds. Really what you want to know is if you are willing to throw in with God, God will have you and own you. And Peter at no point in his letters says, um, listen, it's all going to go well for you. We actually know, Peter, it doesn't go, through our eyes, doesn't go brilliantly. Being dragged off and killed is not on my wish list. It would probably rate on my fear list if we were that kind of culture. But that's not the end. Peter says you can face that because you know whose you are. So, you have a chance to uh, chat with people, have a cup of coffee. A number of people are heading away for lunch. Um, I'm just going to remind you that you are God's servants gifted with dreams and visions. Upon you rests the grace of God like flames of fire. So love and serve the Lord in the strength of the Spirit. May the deep peace of Christ be with you, the strong arms of God sustain you, and the power of the Holy Spirit strengthen you in every way. Amen. I'm done. This is now the second part of the service where you get to say hi to other people. Connect, talk about the weather, or maybe things more than that. <laughs>